Greetings and welcome back to the best podcast in the minors. We're in season two of minor league coverage here at STL Today and STL Pinch Hits. You can now find this podcast on any of your usual podcatchers, but more on that later. I am, of course, producer Carter, and we have minor league dude slash host Daniel Guerrero on location in Jupiter, Florida. Daniel, what is it like down there in, in the Sunshine State? It's sunny, um, but before I get into that, I mean, season two, episode two, is it? Do we? 202. We're on 202. 202. So exciting things going on um, on the, you know, podcast front here. Um, but yeah, so I mean, got here to Jupiter, what, maybe like a week ago, have um, been able to get some eyes on prospects who I haven't been able to see, talk to some guys who, um, you know, we just haven't really had the chance to catch up with in the last season. But yeah, things are great. Uh, constant coverage coming from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch Cardinals beat from down here. I mean, we got Derek Gould, uh, Lynn Worthy, uh, you know, producing great content. Uh, columnist Benjamin Hockman is here. Ben Fredrickson will be here soon. Uh, so constant coverage coming at you from, Dave from the Post-Dispatch. David Carson, yes. Photos. We got people coming in and out of, of the Florida house right now. Yeah, um, You were down there last year briefly albeit um for spring training and of course last year was very very different and then this year will be very different as well next year will probably be the only normal spring training um in, yeah. in a very long time but in, in the short time you've been there what has been the biggest difference this year between this year and last year in spring training and i guess florida baseball um, well, I guess the familiarity with some of the players and coaching staff and front mm. office people help. I mean, a lot of it last year felt like a lot of just meet and greet. Hi, how's it going? Here's who I am. And, you know, some guys recognize me, have been uh, great to talk to and catch up with and, just, you know, collect some stories to preview the season, which, you know, will be uh, mm-hmm. available later. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's been great. I mean, it, it's a, I think it's an interesting thing that you mentioned that next year is really like the actual – normal spring training right because 2020 was cut off because of the pandemic yeah. 2021 was different because of still the pandemic the lockout too last year the lockout this year the world baseball classic has so many guys leaving cardinals camp uh we're, we're gonna see a lot of young guys a lot of prospects get into great games uh guys who are in big league camp some guys who are in the cardinals early minor league program uh, uh minor league the early minor league spring training program we're, we're going to see some some prospects uh, soon, which will be exciting. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so next year, I mean, that, that'll that be uh, also kind of interesting to look at. But this year, I mean, we're going to see those those guys who we really we've talked about on this podcast, who we've uh, been able to cover and talk to as well on this show, get some chances. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's going to be the exciting part. Yeah, and and the interesting is that some guys, you know, I mean, we've talked a lot of, I mean, we've had Jordan Walker on here, and Mm -hmm. same thing with Mason Wynn, uh, Connor Thomas last November during the fall league, and, you know, these are guys who, I mean, I I guess outside of Mason Wynn, but Thomas and Walker are guys who are pushing for that opening day roster spot. I mean, Mason Wynn's in a little bit of a different position because, uh, you know, Tommy Edmond is playing short. Mason Wynn is, you know, aware of, of kind of that that timeline for him and is in, uh, in a way embracing and accepting that, you know, this might not be the year, but this is a year to kind of soak in all that knowledge around him and, and really have a good year. Um, but yeah, we're going to see some guys who are kind of pushing for that roster inclusion. We're going to see some guys who, you know, maybe are a little bit farther away, but get an opportunity or two. I mean, 
we've, we've already seen a little bit of that uh, in the first couple of Grapefruit League games. There are some guys who aren't in Big League camp who appeared. Uh, we've seen Victor Scott, uh, who was a fourth-round pick in 2022, uh, make an appearance in the outfields uh, against the Mets. Uh, you know, Mike Antico also played, uh, got into a game. We've seen Connor Lund pitch, who he spent the last year in Springfield. I mean, we're going to see a little bit more of that once a lot of Cardinals leave camp to go to the, w, uh, the WBC. Getting opportunities is going to be the, the story of this spring training for the Cardinals, yeah. especially with so many Cardinals of so many different um, types of Cardinals not being there. It's not just like, oh, the pitching staff is gone or, oh, the infield is gone or, oh, the outfield is gone. It's like every, there is a player at every position except for maybe catcher. With I with Ivan, yeah, because I mean, Herrera Wilson Contreras is, is staying in the camp, is staying in camp. Uh, uh, Ivan Herrera is staying as well. Yeah, I can't think if there's another like who else. No, that that'd be it. So everyone but the catching position, there is somebody like you know the corner infields, um, the middle infield, the outfield, the pitching staff, mm-hmm. relief relief pitchers. So there's going to be opportunities for everybody, and mm-hmm. it's. I mean, this is this is why it's so interesting to cover the minor leagues because you get this like view into what's next now. Yeah, and we will get that even more. So, like you talk about, like Mason Wynn, who isn't exactly competing for an opening day roster spot, but is competing perhaps to be the first guy called up in the case of an injury. You know, mm-hmm. can he prove himself to be major league ready now, so that if in June Tommy Edmond needs two weeks off, you have someone to come up. And play mm-hmm. shortstop, or if Paul DeYoung, or you know, there's lots of different combinations of things, but he's going to get extended opportunities to prove himself. Um, but I don't. There's a lot of talk about those two guys, you know, particularly. I do want to before we get too deep into this, we do have some stuff planned. We have our superlatives here coming up, our preseason, mm-hmm. uh, our spring training superlatives, our mosts and bests, and and who's most likely, or or, or these kinds of things. Uh, there's some things I want to. I've seen a lot in your chats. If you're not part of the baseball chats at stltoday.com on Mondays, you can talk with our baseball writers on Mondays. It's Derek Gold, it's Lynn Worthy, it's Daniel Guerrero. Um, our columnists have chats throughout the week. But something that comes up oftentimes on you chat is explaining what exactly the backfields are. And prior to the show, what you do were they telling, look like? What are the backfields? <laughs> yeah, like what are I mean, what, funny, funny, and like a, an interesting way because those. Questions I don't expect, but are, I think are good. I mean, they're interesting things. I mean, stuff that I had learned as well. Yeah. And so it's, so you kind of gave this great little anecdote about what covering the backfields kind of mean. You kind of, you summed it up kind of really well. C- can you share what the backfields are, what they look like, how they, how they function mm-hmm. and then what's so special about them? Yeah, so it, it is really a unique setting because when you think of spring training and you think of uh, not just minor leaguers getting ready for the season, but major leaguers, you think like, okay, they're, you know, in stadiums and practice fields and doing these things. And, um, you know, we're not used to getting up and close and seeing these guys. But, you know, here in uh, not just in Florida, but also in Arizona, during in the Cactus League, uh, those complexes out there, um, you have the opportunity to really just go up and kind of get a look at you know practice which is so weird i mean and when you look when you, the fields are literally i mean picture uh you know kind of i guess really like a public park with like two baseball fields back to back and just add you know a couple other fields around it just all butting up against each other and that's kind of what the backfields look like you got the bleachers you have the dugout with the metal bench and 
chain link fences. And... It's not dug. It's not like a dugout. It's just a. It's just a separated space. Like yeah, they, I mean, they don't I was, go into yeah. the ground. Like exactly. It's it's like... it's it's literally what you would think of. You know, playing youth ball, um, which is so cool to see because it's like, you know, these guys who play in these big stadiums are you know out here playing on really just kind of fields that you're used to seeing around you know in public parks. Um, fields are used to seeing you know in little league settings. Um, so it is cool to see. And I mean, fans, I mean, obviously reporters are, you know, out and about and, um, you know, sometimes sitting in the dugouts and, you know, and, you know, out of, obviously out of the way of practices and out of the way of, you know, foul balls coming your way. But I mean, you also have fans getting up close. I mean, a lot of people get autographs. A lot of people, uh, you know, are really getting these really up close looks at, you know, not just minor leaguers or, um, not just top prospects, but also some of the big league guys, which is a really cool setting. And it's, it's, it's a really cool experience. Um, right now, I mean, it's just been a lot of live batting practice. So, um, just guys explain you know, that too. What, what, cause I, yeah, yeah. So seen, guys, uh, it's just not player, like you're getting, it's not like you're getting like Michael McGreevy up there, just like throwing like soft toss. It's, oh, yeah. I mean, he's facing I me mean, just the other day. He, I mean, he faced Paul Goldschmidt and, Wilson Contreras and Jordan Walker. I mean, you're having but it's guys... pitching to those guys. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's pitching them. It's in, like a competitive a, at bat, really, in a competitive yeah. setting, which is really cool to see. Um, and you know, also just seeing regular batting practice and just kind of regular drills. Uh, later, once minor league camp officially starts on March 5th, um, after that, you'll be able to see like some backfield games. I mean, against other visiting minor league teams. So it's 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 really an interesting setting. It's kind of a uh, unique way to see pro baseball up close and personal. It is the probably the most like holistic version of pro baseball, where it's like there's the 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 lights and the sounds and and the all the luxuries of of professional sports are kind of left behind, and they're out playing on these grass infields that are no mm-hmm. different than what you'd play at in high school. Like that, I think that's very cool. Like if I was an enterprising young. Um, autograph hunter that'd be the place you want to be because you never know what young superstar you get next at minor league camp in the in the backfield now it's not uncommon though for guys like i i've read like through our coverage of the post dispatch uh like jack flaherty will go out in the backfields and pitch it's not like a segregated space where it's like the minor leaguers go here and the major leaguers go there it's just not um the main stadium basically yeah and and you'll see that so i mean i i know this this last couple of days um you know jack flaherty hasn't pitched in a grapefruit league game uh he, or he hasn't pitched in a grapefruit league game that's because he preferred to to get that first you know kind of up down or not the first up down but kind of a, another simulated setting in a backfield uh, before he makes that appearance just to work on a few different things i mean mm-hmm. we saw uh steven Matz and jordan montgomery do the same thing and that actually opened up some opportunities for younger guys to get in in an official game um, but yeah, I mean, you're seeing, I mean, just guys working on specific things, guys um, just going and competing out there against each other, which is pretty, uh, it's a pretty interesting sight to see. It's a, it's very, very exciting. Have you um, had the opportunity to get out onto the backfields and, and work on your PFPs yet? No, or- I haven't. I haven't. I, I, I uh, have been able to, to work on a, a just, you know, some stories back there, which is kind of fun. I'm just, you know, trying to get the rust off for the season. Um, but no PFPs, no 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 BP, no bullpen mm. sessions for me. No ground balls. For no. some reason, I like this. Isn't true. I know it. I know it to not be true. But I imagine it, it covering the backfields is like, like you kind of say, like all of the the backstops kind of converge into one center point, 
so that you can kind of go field to field. And so it's like mm-hmm. a big, and then like you're at the very middle of it with a little folding, like Bill's mafia folding table and a laptop. And you just kind of like spin to see yeah, what's going no on way. on each field. Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I imagine you covering all, because like how many, we talked about step camp last week on the last show. Like how many guys are down there right now? like working out uh, so, as minor leaguers in step camp yeah and yeah early so, minor league camp yeah so there i mean there were 36 players invited um but there are also some other guys who aren't on the step camp list who, who you know camp was open for for the rest of minor leaguers to report early and get some workouts in um they've gotten able they're they've been able to get their workouts in with the step camp guys which is mm. um interesting to see just because i mean there are some names who i saw out there i mean obviously they're wearing jerseys with names on them and you yeah. know, you recognize a few and know it's not on the list, but obviously it's it's something that they're taking kind of that that next step and showing up early, getting their work in. I mean, they're not participating in the full workouts with the other guys. Um, some of them are finishing up a little bit early, but I mean, it is a um, it's kind of a preview of what we'll see. You know, in the next week when all the when you know over 150 players report to minor league camp. I find that very strange that they would have step camp which i guess is just like getting guys to show up right like you t- hey mm-hmm. you 36 guys it's important that you get here early make plans to get here early but that anybody else can kind of show up with them like open like the camp was open to those minor leaguers which makes sense from an organizational standpoint like if your minor leaguers want to show up and work you make a facility you make it work for them right like yeah, yeah. you don't tell them you don't tell them no but like i i find it unless there is a situation where it's like you know, like, so for example, in Blue Jays camp, like uh, Alejandro Kirk, who will miss the World Baseball Classic with Team Mexico, I'm sorry, Daniel, because of the birth of his first child, mm-hmm. like, you get it. Like, you can't show up to camp early, like, totally understandable. You got something in the way. That happened with Giovanni Gallegos. Like, there's lots of, like, there's immigration issues for a lot of guys. Like, coming to the States isn't necessarily easy for everybody in the world. For some, it's easier than others. But, like, I find it odd that they didn't just be like, all right, everyone come early. Is there a reason they they did that, or is it? Um, yeah, I mean, a, a part of it's also. I mean, there's some guys who the this camp. I mean, especially when you look at the roster, there's some guys that they want to get a look, a better look at. I mean, up close look at mm. guys that they want. You know, with in front of you know the uh, some of the minor league staff and you know some of the front office has been down at those practices, kind of watching on and and you that that's why some of the names are really intriguing. I mean, you see Cooper Jerpy and Bryson Motts, the last uh, the Cardinals' first yeah. and second round picks. In this, in this last draft, I mean, they're out there. I mean, Joshua Bias, who was a second-round pick in 2021, but missed a lot of time last year, was out there. Um, Juan Ben Cho, who was one of the notable international signings in 2022, um, and like Bias, is only 19 years old, is out there. I mean, these are guys who are getting a little bit extra instruction, um, who are kind of viewed as, you know, higher-end prospects in the system. But then you also have guys like Chandler Redmond and guys like uh, Mike Antico and guys – like uh you know grant black and you know some guys who you know maybe you don't see, think of see, as those prospects the, but think those of, are the guys i'm surprised to hear like not not surprised to hear show up because those are the guys who need to show up early mm-hmm. and and like make a point to people yeah yeah and, and, like, and, yeah and, and a part of it's also you know with the wbc really taking a lot of guys out of cardinals camp these are some guys who you know are getting ready early enough to get into games if they need to um, which could happen. Yes, that's that's a, a definite part of it. Guys are going to get opportunities yeah. in Grapefruit League games. Yeah, because like I, I just kind of imagine like 
I mean, like I played college baseball. I'm I'm familiar enough with the concept of like fall camp and you know spring camp and going to you know like tryouts and workouts and stuff like that. Where it was like I and you know there's a reason I'm doing this and not playing baseball professionally. Uh, I was never good enough to not be a guy who needed like I needed to be at every optional at every you know uh, optional workout. I needed to be at mm-hmm. every uh, uh, preseason camp early because I needed to get as many opportunities and looks as I possibly could and op- and practice time to get better. Whereas like some of the guys who were like guaranteed starters probably didn't have to show up early. They kind of had their spot solidified for them. So like, I like, it makes sense to me that guys like, so first and foremost, it makes sense that, you know, the Cardinals invite that 37 name list of guys who they want to see early. Cause they, they're the studs. They want them there early because they want to see them. But if I'm, you mentioned like Chandler Redman or, uh, my, my guy uh, Nick Trojelic Iverson, like guys who might not be at the top of the radar. Like I want to be in front of the coaches as often as I can because mm-hmm. there's going to be opportunities in the middle of March, and I want to prove that I should be able to pitch in a grapefruit league game. Mm-hmm. Or that that that'd be my mindset. Have you seen guys kind of show up early and often and be? I, I don't want to say brown nosers, but that's yeah, how well, I would I mean- treat it. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you have guys here for that reason. I mean, guys who are trying to get uh, extra reps, I mean, and who, um, you know, I mean, guys aren't playing minor league baseball just to play minor league baseball. No, exactly. These guys, right. are, like, these, these guys have, have goals and, you know, dreams and things they hope to accomplish, and, and obviously that's part of it. I mean, some guys are, you know, who aren't here, I mean, are also, you know, still, you know, working wherever they're at. I mean, or, or some guys who, um, yeah, still kind of going through off-season regimens or guys who – um aren't in camp yet but i mean once once you know the the full list reports i mean there are some guys who have that head start already okay now let's move on to the superlatives now as everyone i mean not i guess not everyone would know superlatives isn't i guess necessarily a i had to learn i had to learn what it meant uh, yeah, it's 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 like um, in your high school yearbook when they're like most likely to or best smile or most likely well, best to be hair. Pres- yeah, most likely to be president or like <laughs> those kinds of things. That that's what a superlative is. And so Daniel and I thought it'd be good because like these kind of serve as both superlatives as in terms of like most likely. It, it's kind of a prediction. It, it kind of points towards where we think things are likely going, but it doesn't outright say, like, I'm staking my mortgage on this take. Uh, it just kind of points to what we think is likely to happen as a prediction heading for the rest of spring training. Yeah, I think so. I think I think mine, I kind of went a little bit more descriptors, I guess. Okay. Mine are pre- so that's a good that's a good balance. I, I have predictions. Yeah. Yeah. But I think predictions and these things are fun, especially, you know, it's the start. Of, I mean, we're getting to the start of the season. Um, obviously, it's funny. I remember reading, I forgot where, seeing this, but like spring training is always like the most positive thing of all time. Yeah, and the draft. Because everybody's, everybody's hopeful. Everybody's optimistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, guys are in the best shapes of their lives and had the greatest off seasons of all time. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to look forward to come April. Or I guess come March 30th, because we're, yeah. is it March 29th, 3rd, 20th? March know. 30th is when March the Blue 30th. Jays come to St. Louis for opening day. So, so I mean, there's a lot to look forward to. I mean, and, and it really, I mean, whatever camp, whatever team, I mean, there's there's so much, uh, I guess, intrigue before yes. games start to matter. Yes. Um, 
And, you know, we will get into these right now. I mean, Carter, I mean, I, I know we have a little bit of, of a, would it be rules or would it be requirements? I, I said, um, going with the vibe of the soon to be published or republished, I guess, Dispatch Dozen, uh, these are meant to be about players who are not, um, who are not Cardinals yet. They mm -hmm. are my, they are minor league players, and so I set a parameter of if a player took more than fifty at bats or threw more than forty innings for the Cardinals last year, they are ineligible for for our for this game. Um, so guys like Andre Pallante or Zach Thompson or um, uh, Matt Libator or um, who, who who are some other good examples of guys who got who got time? Uh, Juan Yepes, uh, you know Nolan Gorman, Nolan and, Gorman. Uh, like th those are not yeah. the guys we're, we're we're talking about here. Um, we're talking about guys who you know maybe maybe they got a cup of coffee. I think I got three. I have two guys. You have two. one. Who got a cup of coffee? Who got a cup cup of coffee in the show last year? Um, and we're impactful and guys we talked about a lot, but that's not. Um, I didn't want to go for like Matt Libator is going to do this. It's like, well, he he at this point is no longer in the prospect conversation. Actually, he actually has his rookie eligibility still intact. I know he does, but for, I think. But I get you. I, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, now like, it's like he's just he's a rookie, not. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like at this at this point at this point we we have to we at some point you have to graduate, and we have to talk about yeah. you in a, different, in a different sense. And I think we're at that yes. with with that guy in specific. And then guys like Nolan Gorman, uh, he played a lot. He's like, well, how many home runs did he have in the show, in the major league in the major leagues uh, last year? Like, I want to say maybe fourteen. Like, yeah, I think like, it might have had like thirty overall. He, was, he was from basically May through August an everyday player. Mm -hmm. for the Cardinals. So there's no point in discussing him as if he's a prospect anymore. He's not. He lost his rookie eligibility, but um, I know there's a lot of conversation about like where he starts this year, uh, but that's just not what this was This was supposed to be about. Um, we can go one at a time. We each have five, and I, I'll try not to you know, babble off. Everyone knows me. Well, yeah, we'll try to keep it short. We'll try to keep it short, but I, I, do, I do think there's some conversation we had about some of these, uh, or if there's a topic you want to talk about at length we can um yeah i mean there are there are a couple things i'll touch on i'll keep who, it brief who's your first we're gonna go i think we're gonna go like a snake here like or like one yeah, two, we'll do like, like a, yeah that makes yeah. sense um, um who's your first one here okay so my first one and the, like i said i kind of went in a different route with superlatives uh mine was the most interesting to watch heading into 2022 or tw oh man i'm sort of whoa lost <laughs> season, most season interesting two, episode two yeah most interesting to watch heading into 2023 and um, the one that I had listed down is Joshua Baez, who is an outfielder, 19 years old, uh, spent the last season in low A and in the complex league. And my reasoning for interesting to watch is because we didn't really see a whole lot of him last year. Uh, he had a hand injury and required surgery that his, uh, broke the hamate bone in his uh, left hand and was out for basically three months. I mean, he came back to Palm Beach's roster and, you know, uh, was able to to be productive for them. Uh, obviously, they're the only affiliate that made a playoff or made it to the playoffs and played in a playoff game. So uh, I think he'll be interesting to watch just because he's still so young. He didn't really get a whole lot of at-bats last year. Uh, he seems to be coming into the year with a little bit more uh, maturity, I'd say. I mean, not and you kind of see that. Just I think that just comes with 
obviously that experience of having to miss so much time, but also just with his just really just regular growth. I mean, he's still a teenager, um, but I think he'll be somebody who will be kind of fun to keep tabs on. That's that's a good place to put like really fun to keep tabs on because he can be anything still. He's still mm-hmm. so young, but still so talented that it's kind of like you could very easily see him. I'm not saying this will happen, but from what yeah. you're describing is like he, you could very easily see him get as high as double A this year and be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you just don't know. It, you just have to learn. You have to learn more about him. Is that kind of what you're describing? as like fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say that, that that's what it'll be. Just to see him really get to experience uh, first full season of minor league baseball. I mean, that's what he was gearing up for last year, and obviously injuries derailed that. Um, but when you look at, uh, obviously he was a second round pick, and when you think about, I mean, I, yeah, just think about you know the potential coming out of the draft. He was a guy who was committed to Vanderbilt University, and obviously they have a a strong baseball program there, but opted to to get his start in in, in pro baseball. Um, and yeah, th- this will be that first real first test of you know how did how will he look in pro ball? It's a good way, it's a good way of summing it up. How will he look in pro ball? Which is why you're at the backfield watching him see seeing how he yeah. does. Um, I went with my number one um, most likely most likely to be a surprising slash not surprising opening day reliever. So very, very specific because I wanted to talk about this player. Yes, and uh, I think it's a very intriguing player as well. Um, I think Jake Walsh is the is the most likely to surprise by being an opening day reliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, J- Jake Walsh profiles as the kind of player who Olimar Mole talks about wanting in his bullpen. Uh, he, 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 got, he did get a cup of coffee last year. He played three games. He got hurt, needed surgery, um, had two really solid in his three games. Had two really solid appearances in the major leagues last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, went you know didn't play a whole lot. Had to kind of go the off season rehabbing. You know he's another one of these guys talks about best shape of my life kind of things. Uh, but he is a swing and miss velo like closer profiling relief pitcher. Yeah, who you can add to the back end of your bullpen very easily. And we've seen guys come from the minors with those kinds of tools and be immediately impactful um, in the in the major leagues quickly. Uh, so I, I see him as the kind of guy who who if he has a healthy spring and he was comp- he was competitive at last spring training. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he uh, when it came down to it the was like last bullpen spot, it was Andre. between Walsh, Andre Pallante and Connor Thomas. Um, and obviously Walsh ends up getting that, that crack at the majors and um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he he has those numbers that Ollie Marmol is looking for in his bullpen. Yeah, more so than those other two guys, mm-hmm. which is funny funny to think about in in hindsight. Like he he more so that high swing and miss, high velo. Um, you know, like you add him to the back end of the bullpen with Gallegos and Helsley, assuming that they're very similar to their twenty twenty two selves. That's a yeah. very yeah, that shortens the game very quickly. Um, with that kind of style of pitching um so i think i think Definitely. it feels like and I, I i come to this take basically saying like i've been very high on him i think he's a very interesting pitcher um but i don't see him talked about very often in like the social mm-hmm. media world and like the, the the pontificators who talk about these kinds of things he's not a guy who comes up and i think it's just because he's been forgotten i think so i think just like the, the injury kind of put him out of the picture 
Yeah, and so he's he he's kind of like reminds me of a guy like Ryan Helsley who comes off of an injury, but he still has all those tools that you like to see out of a relief pitcher. And why can't he have a season like Helsley out of the bullpen? Same kind of thing. Um, not yeah. maybe he's not a hundred percent. Like I mean, Ryan Helsley was one of the best relief pitchers in baseball last year. Maybe he's not that, but he could be very very good uh, yeah. for this team. Uh, your number stick. Yeah, to stick to that note yeah. of pitching, my uh, next, I guess, uh, superlative of uh, Mo. I mean, the person who has the potential to make the biggest leap this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is somebody who, going back to last no last October during the Cardinals end of season presser, was kind of uh, mentioned a little bit by Cardinals president uh, baseball operations John Mazalak as somebody who at at that point in the season end of season press conference. Uh, in 2023, whenever that is, I mean, see yeah. how far the Cardinals go. Uh, but whenever that happens, um, the guy who was mentioned as, you know, the, a minor league pitcher who had the biggest leap or biggest growth, um, and the person that came to mind was Tim Kentz. And I think mm-hmm. now that we're able to see him pitch more regularly um, here, I mean, he's faced major league hitters here. I mean, he was uh, really effective for Palm Beach last year. Uh, and you know, made his great league debut. Got a ground out against Pete Alonso. Got a strikeout mm-hmm. uh, in his inning of work against the Mets. Uh, and we're seeing that stuff. I mean, Ali Marmol has mentioned, you know, just kind of what type of arm he has and that stuff he has. And I mean, Tim Kent is still in, uh, twenty years old, still has plenty of time to develop. So I mean, it's easy to get excited about that possibility. But I think when you're looking at you know minor league ball and understanding that you know this is a process, this is somebody who I think. Uh, and obviously the organ- Cardinals organization thinks that it could be, you know, making a big leap in this next year. What would you describe as a big leap? Um, I would just say the workload and obviously okay. the the leap in, in the level of competition. So if um, he ends up in, if, if, if he ends up in which affiliate, that would be a big leap. Cause I think if he ends the year in Peoria, that's not a big leap. I, I, I mean, yeah, that's I like a natural that development. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I mean, if, if he gets above that, it's like you're looking at a guy who kind of uh, same thing is only going to be 20 or I guess will turn 21 at some point this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously pitchers take a little bit more time to develop, especially somebody like him who came out of high school, really didn't have a whole lot of innings under him. His uh, body hadn't been fully developed. Didn't, yes, did not you know, did not participate in the uh, alternate camp in Springfield in 2020. Really only had, I think, eight and a third innings in 2021. So I th- I think the biggest leap will be just the workload, and obviously the his success will carry him to wherever his you know that affiliate is. But seeing him get a, a gradual increase, seeing him pitch more innings than he really has in the last couple of years, will be a big thing where we can kind of better evaluate you know who Tinkins is. <laughs> Understood. I think just seeing him pitch more will be incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of cheated on this one because well, well, we got the one. I guess the one you picked. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, this will be interesting. I, sorry to cut you I kind of cheat. I kind of cheated on this one because I have two. Uh, I said most likely to be the odd man out. Um, oot, m- odd man oot. Um, <laughs> I, I I have listed as Moises Gomez and Alec Burleson. Um. I think, and and the reason I say that is because 
And by odd man out, I mean guys who might get stranded in AAA for an extended period of time. Uh, which is, I mean, that's not a bad bad thing to have depth. Uh, injuries happen. You need guys coming up and down. You need, you know, that's going to be a thing that happens all year. There's going to be a DH spot. Things are going to happen. I it feels like with the out. So first and foremost, Alec Burleson as a first baseman just isn't going to get it, like innings. Isn't going to get at bats when you have the NL MVP um, standing mm-hmm. at standing at first base. The the other one is there is such a log jam in the outfield that Alec Burleson as a defender isn't a guy, you know, like I think it's, it's like um, they, they just don't see him as a, as a guy who can be out in the outfield as like, okay, he's going to be an outfielder because he just can't play defense. Like mm-hmm. that's just not how they view him. Uh, he's a DH and a first baseman who can kind of play left field a little bit. R- am I wrong about that with Alec Burleson? Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, that... Defense is something he's working on. Worked on. I mean, Ali Marmol talked about it the other day of, of guys like Alec Burleson and um, even like Moises Gomez. And, that's the second. That's the second name, Moises um, Gomez. Yes, really like Nolan Gorman, guys who you know or can hit, but have that you know one thing that's like oh about his defense. And those guys, um, he mentioned you know there are some improvements. I mean, Alec Burleson like understands that. Yeah, um, but like you said, I mean, it, when you look at kind of fit, I mean he gets put into that conversation of like the DH bar. I mean, the, the left-handed DH yeah. bar. And so when you add in all of these names, uh, Moises Gomez, Alec Burleson, uh, uh, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, Jordan Walker, Lars Newtbar, um, you, you just go down the list and it's like, well, you can only play four of those guys on a given day. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and the, and the other one, a guy who can play three positions and not just uh, or five positions, eh, four positions, I'll say, uh, Juan Yepes. That's that's mm-hmm. the other guy to add that to that equation. It just feels like those two guys might be the guys who kind of start in AAA and get kind of being be the odd man out because who's going to be the first? If let's say those guys start in AAA, um, who's the first call up? if Jordan Walker doesn't make the major league roster, it's Jordan Walker, right? He's the first if guy. The to opportunities get there. Yeah. He, he's, he's the first guy to get called up if he doesn't make the major league roster. Right. So you're starting with this, like probably this four man outfield with, you know, maybe some alteration here, but it's like O'Neill Carlson, Newt bar in some combination with Juan Yepes as your DH slash can play left field, third base, mm-hmm. first base, utility infielder and then Brendan Donovan can also play outfield and you know you keep you you, you kind of go through that list of things that these all these guys can do and it's just hard to see the without like catas- catastrophic injury plaguing this team at some point this year it's hard to see those two guys mm-hmm. um factoring in the same way that those other names I've just listed have and it seems like they might be the odd man's out the odd man out now the solution to that is if they're just really great. Like, if they're just undeniably good, you you force someone out, right? Like, that's the solution mm-hmm. to, that, to that. So that's who I think is the most likely to be the odd man out. That's how I've distinct, distinguished that. Okay. You can only, there's only so many innings. There's only so many games. You can, like, right, right. And, um, and, I, mean, even, I mean, even in the Jordan Walker scenario, right? I mean, the Cardinals typically will call their top prospect up when there will be regular opportunities. When there's, I mean, there's at-bats, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I would not ex- 
expect or I don't get the sense that we would see uh, you no know, Walker in some type of you know casual you know couple days a week role. Oh, platoon. I mean, obviously, kinda, the, yeah. obviously the Cardinals, if he gets brought up, we're going to want to see. Uh, regular playing time from the top prospect. I mean, that's something that we saw last year with Nolan Gorman, where there was a lot yep. of hesitancy, not hesitancy, but that, you know, that they were very patient. Patience, yes, with, with bringing him up because that everyday playing time, you know, that spot where there was going to guarantee playing time and at bats for him just wasn't there to start the year. And he probably would have kept playing despite not being very good towards the end of the year with the, and there's been a lot written about that high fastball like that's the thing that's his kind of mm-hmm. kryptonite but then Brendan Donovan walks in kind of as like the comparable to Moises Gomez and Alec Burleson and just becomes this undeniable player late in the year yeah right like where it's like no 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 he has to be on in the lineup because he gets on base he you know he can do all these sorts of things he can play he's a gold glove defender um and so like Alec Burleson and Moises Gomez can be like no 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 you have to find a spot for us because we do X, Y, Z, you know, Burleson's a left-handed bat, this, that, the other thing, like there's a way forward. It's just, you need to, mm-hmm. you, you, there's so much to overcome almost unfairly to them. Not by the, yes. like now that, that almost becomes like, if we were to do the same version of this, it's like, who could be a really good trade piece late in the season? Maybe those two guys are guys you can turn into different kind, kinds of assets. Cause you have to deal from a, uh, depth, but mm-hmm. that's that's a little premature for that kind of thing. Yeah. Number now, three from Daniel. Number three, uh, going back to this, I mean, this one I'd say is just the the player. I would, I guess, this is really more of a, to, uh, I guess, in a way, to fans of player who we should or players who fans should be most patient with. Um, I think. It's easy to get excited over shiny new prospects, especially guys who are so young. And we've talked a lot about this before with prospect fatigue being a thing. Yes. Um, so the guy who I'd say that, you know, there should be some patience with in letting him go through his development, especially because of the position he plays. I mean, there's no immediate rush uh, for him to find it, you know, find where he's going to fit and find out, you know, who he can be. But I think Jonathan Mejia is that guy. I mean, we talked a lot of, mm. a little bit about him. Um, he, uh, you know, is 18 years old, was the Cardinals' top international signing in 2022, received the largest signing bonus for a player that young by the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, Excel, I mean, had a solid season in the Dominican Summer League. Uh, but again, he's, you know, switch hitting shortstop, who was only 18 years old, uh, turns 19 this August, I think. Uh, I think it's in August. Sorry. Jonathan, forgetting your birthday wrong, if that's the case. Um, but he's somebody who's still a I'll teenager and somebody who is that, you know, that young, that it's easy to get excited about when you see the numbers and when you see the prospect ranking. I mean, because he in certain prospect lists is already, you know, in nearing that top 10 uh, kind of echelon and somebody who, you know, was a top international uh, prospect coming into 2022. And there, there should just be some patience with that. I mean, we can't, you can't, it's easy to get excited, easy to picture, you know, who he could be and when he gets to the show, but it's like, there's still that time for him to develop. There's plenty of time. When did you say he turned, uh, when his birthday was, he turned 18? I think I said August. It's April. April. So he'll be, he'll be 18 for most of this year, but that's the point remains like young. I found it interesting that in your chats, a question that has come up often is, is there like a donut hole? Is there a drop off? 
and yeah, and I, I yeah and I, I this is the guy question the right but this this yeah. is that yeah this is that guy who when people say that that don't hold in the position player prospects you know now that Nolan Gordon yeah. has graduated Jordan Walker is getting to that point Mason Wynn at some point in the next year or two um, most likely in you know the year the next year will have graduated but it's like this is you know the guy who kind of slides into that spot of possibly being somebody who's one of the top prospects in a farm system yeah that that's who you look to next on the mm-hmm. position player side that makes a lot of sense um now back um i kind of like this one where we're going where, where you're heading because this is somebody who kind of came on the radar a little bit late yes he is it's like and i don't i i, I want to put an asterisk on this already now that i think about it more uh most likely to start in triple a but then get the first MLB start. So the first guy to so essentially the first pitcher call up to start a game. Yes. Um, sure. okay. I, listed, I said Connor Thomas and cause I feel like he's come on really late. He was really strong in the, in the Arizona fall league. He kind of showed all those tools and you, you're going to want to see him early, like what he can do. Right. Cause like if, if it, if it turns out he's not worth the 40 man spot, that's you need to know that quickly so you can make adjustments because like eventually someone's going to need to come off the 40 man and to make changes right like mm-hmm. that's like 40 man fluidity is a is a real thing it happens it's nobody's fault it's just what it is so you're going to want to see what he what he is um and i, I want to put the asterisk on this being that a um matt libertoire threw more than 40 innings last year so he's disqualified from this game uh and b if they start to profile Thomas as a left-handed relief pitcher, that that and and so they send him to Memphis to be a relief pitcher to get used to that kind of coming out of the pen, situational pitching, pitching in different spots, um, inherited runners, that kind of thing. Which not to say he's not used to that, but let's say that's what they're gonna have him do. Mm-hmm. Um then I would amend that to maybe not first MLB start, but first relief pitcher called up to get an appearance. But that's the yeah, point, I, the point stands. Yeah, no, and I get you. I think uh, if you know if he does not end up on the opening day rosters, strong possibility he continues to get innings in Memphis as a starter. Um, yeah, I think if if they keep him as a starter in Memphis, then then I I maintain he'll be one of the first. He'll be if not the first, one of the first. Um, mm-hmm. but if they decide. No, actually, we really like you. We just need you to get used to coming in with a guy on second and one out. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's how you start. Like, you don't start with a clean inning. Then I could see that just putting an asterisk. But that's something that maybe you can help us with. Um, what are they doing with him? What's the plan for? Yeah, guy like I, I, I think I, I think that's something we'll learn more about this spring, especially once innings open up a little bit yeah. more. Um, but I mean, he's already. Pitched in a Grapefruit League game. I mean, he's still kind of being uh, built up in kind of that starter role. I mean, he had two innings or two innings on, on yeah. in that in that game. He pitched um, up in live VP sessions. He's kind of simulating the two innings type thing, and obviously that's what guys get built up as. Um, but I mean, there's there's still a strong possibility that uh, you know there could be a bullpen roll down the line if you know if things come out. And obviously with him, I mean, he kind of changed. With Connor Thomas, he really changed his trajectory in the Arizona Fall League uh, by introducing that cutter he worked on during the year. Which um, StatCast kind of, still sees as a slider very far. Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, yeah. I think that's something StatCast will have to learn a little bit more about him. Yeah. 
in, in that aspect. But I mean, I um, from the and what you, what you're saying, the point you're trying to make. I mean, I, I do see that as you know a possibility. You got to know what you get early, right? That's the thing with with a forty minute. Like a guy, it's the same thing with a guy like Wilking Rod, um, uh, Wilking Rodriguez, where it's like he's a he's a Rule Five pick. You don't know exactly. He has to be on the twenty five man or twenty six man. Mm-hmm. You're going to give him opportunities in week one of the major league season if you take him with you. Hey, bright lights! This isn't the Grapefruit League. This is National League Baseball or interleague play in week one. Um, it's the same kind of deal. And so if he doesn't start with start break camp with the team, he'll be one of the first one. Like there's a world in which like not to get too try and like what's there's a joke on an old radio show. I, I really like uh, Nostra dumbass um, mm-hmm. where it's like uh, Wilking Rodriguez isn't the guy. He's a rule five that doesn't work out. You return him to the Yankees or you trade for a player to be named later, but you, you send him down to AAA, and Connor Thomas is the guy that called that gets called up to take that spot. Like that's a very that's a thing I could see work like happening, like happening in week two, possibly. Mm-hmm. Like you could I could see I don't know if it will happen. But I could see it. Um, number I guess we can kind of number we can four, do this at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I think this is kind of an interesting one. You want to go first with it's the same player. Yeah, we picked um, the, without consulting. We picked the same player for <laughs> our number four. Um, I said he's most likely to benefit from the World Baseball Classic. I said he was could be one of the most, I guess, fun players to watch this year, just based on his situation and um, kind of the way he's going about this season. Uh, it, uh, it's Mason Wynn. That's, yeah, that's, and yeah, and I mean, obviously, I mean, do you want to elaborate more on the World Baseball Classic aspect of that? Yeah, because I feel like fun to watch is just like we've seen him play, and he's such he's such a great energy, like he's such a great young. He's he's everything that's exciting with the game. He's young. He's energetic. He's athletic. He's got all the tools. He he's like the next generation of ball player. And you look at that and you go, yeah, that's super cool. Like I love that's a great young, yeah, dynamic and the, player. And 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 the reason why I kind of label that is just because I mean, Memphis is a likely starting destination for him, and it could be a likely yes. season long destination based on. Uh, the Cardinals needs at the shortstop position. And I mean, even second base, I mean, we yeah. played a little bit of second base in the fall league. Um, but when you look at the needs there, the Cardinals seem to be pretty um, sure handed. I mean, yes, I guess two I mean, gold lovers. Yeah. You have a couple of pair of gold lovers there, guys who um, play have, you know, were durable this last season. Um, and I just think, you know, seeing him Mason win a full season in Memphis will be pretty interesting. Uh, I said he's most likely to benefit from the World Baseball Classic because he's going to get with with Tommy Edmond um, overseas playing for Korea. Uh, he's basically just going to split time with instead of two guys, it's going to be him and Paul DeYoung playing a lot of shortstop in mm-hmm. Grapefruit League games. And uh, Paul DeYoung is there to prove that he can continue to be a major league player, whereas Mason Wynn is there to prove that he is one right now. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And and he, if if Tommy Edmond was gonna, it was there his opportunities would be slashed like literally in, in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mason, Mason Wynn has the opportunity this spring to play major league adjacent games with the major league club for like at least two weeks of spring training. Yeah. And prove if Tommy Edmond gets hurt, I'm the guy you want starting every day at shortstop, not that guy. He wouldn't have that opportunity to play with the big league club 
be in the dugout with Ollie Marmol, be on the infield, you know, in that double play, like combination with next to Nolan Arenado, right? Like, or I guess Nolan Arenado, won't be even be there. yeah, he won't, he won't even be there. So it's like, but he, he will be the, the sole focus mm-hmm. on that infield almost in terms of, Hey, what, what can this guy do? And so he's proving right now, along with Jordan Walker, same kind of thing in the outfield, right? With Lars Newtbar gone and, Ta- and Tyler O'Neill gone. Hey, like, this is it. I'm here. I'm ready to go when you need me. I'll go to Memphis because I know that's how the business works. But if something happens this year, like it, it and it probably it doesn't even have to be Tommy Edmond only. It can be Brandon Donovan get get some takes a month or something like that, right? Like he and you move Tommy Edmond back over to second base. Like things can happen, and he can prove yeah. that he's ready to go. Um, last one. Uh, I'll let you go first because I like yeah. how you phrased it. Yeah, my mine is just about. I mean, I know I, last year we saw kind of a. I don't want to use the word carousel to describe it, but I mean, we saw kind of a parade of prospects get to the majors for the Cardinals. We d- yes, we did. That's. A, a I was going to say carousel. I, I was going to say carousel. But I was like, that kind of sounds because you know you talk about like Circular. revolving door. Yeah. Like QB carousel. I mean, but no, but I mean, we saw this like really, really this parade of prospects show up at Bush Stadium from. The start of the year in April, basically until September. I mean, there's so many yeah. call-ups, so many guys that got their chance in the show. One of them uh, was kind of, in a way, I mean, the question was, you know, how rushed was it because of his position and where he was at in his development? But, I mean, when you look at the guys who could benefit from extra time in the in the minors, uh, the one that kind of comes to mind is Yvonne Herrera because, I mean, Obviously, the question, a lot of it, speculation of who who fills the shoes of Yachty. Um, you know, was it going to be so-and-so? Was it going to be uh, somebody in-house? Did they go out and get somebody on a free agent market? Did they trade for a player? And obviously, they signed Wilson Contreras, um, who, you know, is, is stepping into those shoes. I mean, obviously, is not Yachty. Nobody is Yachty. Wilson has his own player. I mean, an all-star caliber catcher who um, provides, you know, some power in that lineup for the Cardinals behind Goldschmidt and Arenado. And when you think about the catching position moving forward, um, just kind of with the depth on the farm, Yvonne Herrera is really somebody who can benefit from more time in the minors. Um, you know, it, he's staying in camp for the World Baseball Classic, which will give him time to also learn from Wilson Contreras, which, you know, I you know, you you mean somebody who hasn't, you know, been in the big leagues for a while, um, but Yvonne Herrera just kind of comes to mind as somebody who, you know, another year in Memphis is is going to be beneficial for him. It's it's this it's like catchers, kickers, goalies, um, pitchers. They all need a little mm-hmm. extra time, extra seasoning. Ivan needs another year to get like five hundred at bats or whatever yeah. the number. Like he just needs at bats. Yeah, like that kind of sounds like what it what it is. And you give him every day at bats, and then same thing. It's a long season. He could get time in the major leagues, but you want him to play every day more than anything. Yeah. Uh, and to- well, actually, that's a good point of guys who you want to play every day. I mean, I guess that kind of touches on who you have. Yeah, I last- have. Yeah. My last one is um, most likely to unfairly start in AAA. <laughs> uh, I say that because this is like, again, like you have a log jam in the outfield. This is this is going to happen, but you have to evaluate the guys who you have time on, right? Like mm-hmm. Jordan Walker, who is I just I have decreed most likely to unfairly start in Triple A, has been on a tear in the Grapefruit League. He's been terrorizing baseballs. Um, 
it seems like every day there's a new highlight of him um, hitting a ball hard somewhere. Uh, I think uh, Jeff Jones at the Belleville News Democrat described he hit a ball 130 miles an hour off the bat, which wasn't true, but it was funny. It was funny. People really <laughs> thought it happened, which is, you know, a whole other thing. He, I don't think he used the sarcasm font, but um, in all Anyways. likelihood, in all likelihood, he could he could tear the ball, the cover off the ball this spring. Um, you need to figure out what you have with Newbart, Carlson and O'Neill at the major league level because you have time with Walker. You can put him in AAA for the month of April to play every day and not, you know, there's like prospect clock manipulation, this, that, the other thing. He has options, this, that, the other thing. Like, you need to figure out what you have with those three guys first before you decide what, like, what to do with Jordan Walker getting a call up. Um, because inevitably, what, like, statistics indicate that one of those three guys is either going to get hurt or isn't going to answer the bell right like like we like we have all the evidence to suggest that like something is going to happen that like you can wait and see on walker in the month of april Mm -hmm. rather than rush him up and like put like because like what in order to get him up someone else has to get put on waivers like that's kind of the math that i'm I'm yeah i mean there's a roster crunch at that point right exactly like and that's kind of all i mean is that like there's a roster crunch you need to do something here and so he you can be patient with him um Unless something crazy happens, right? Unless there's an a, a, an unpredictable unpredictable transaction that we just don't see coming yeah. that happens. Um, so he's most likely to unfairly start in AAA because it, it seems like based on all the points that we've seen in the first, how many Grapefruit League games have they played? Five, three, three. Sunday, um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, two, four, four, four. He, yeah, he's looked really good in all of them. Yes, yes. Um, so that's what I got. So we'll put that graphic out here. It's a good list. It's a good list. We'll put that graphic out here uh, soon, and you can tell us what we missed. What did we? uh, Um, what did we miss? What? 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 Who else deserves superlatives? Uh, but that's what we got for this week's show. Daniel, do you have anything exciting to promote Um, here before we uh set set sail on week two? I don't know. I mean, I guess just as we kind of started off the show, just keep it locked in. Yep. STL today in the post dispatch of you know over constant Cardinals coverage for the rest of spring and into the season. I mean it'll be an exciting uh, time down here. I mean guys leaving for the WBC prospects stepping in, and then obviously you know season's getting close. I mean games are going to start mattering before we know it. There's baseball this. There's major league baseball regular season baseball this month. Crazy. This month there's regular season baseball. Uh, Thank you for listening to the best podcast in the minors. Go listen to all the other uh, offers that podcasts that we offer on the STL Today Extended Network. The best podcast in baseball, Netfront Presence, uh, Eye on the Tigers, Talk. STL Soccer Talk with Tom Timmerman and I. We'll have to That's get you on there, pod. Daniel. Great pod. We'll have to get you on there, on I'll, there I'll soon, get, Daniel. I'll get on there for the uh, the game before America when yes. America comes to. That's a great. Uh, that's St. a great Louis. idea. I think we're. I think we're going to try and get Ben Hockman on the show next week. Uh, we'll, so We'll talk soccer culture. We'll talk, you know, mishmash of Liga MX again and yeah. MLS, you know, culture right there. Exactly. So it's um, it's an exciting time at the Post Dispatch. There's lots to cover. Uh, keep it and keep it locked in. Thank you for listening. I am Carter. That's I'm Daniel. Daniel. Yep. That's Daniel. We we <laughs> the minor the minor league dude. And we will see you all next week. <laughs>